But first, let's start with a topic that Lisa Dent and I have spoken about many times, and I spoke about it on this show. Um, last week, I don't know if you followed this, but we, my theory is that there are 15 to 16 young men who have gone missing, mostly after having drinks or at a party or a bar. They go missing for a while, and they found in a body of water in the Chicagoland area, either the river or the lake. Last week, we had on the father of 26-year-old Noah Enos, uh, who tragically had to bury his son because he was found in the Chicago River after exiting a Wicker Park, uh, Park uh, concert hall. So we spoke to the father last week. It was just very tragic, and he too believes that this is not an accident, this is not suicide, and this is something that somebody is perpetrating. So I wanted to talk to an expert about is this a coincidence? Are we overreacting? Do we pay attention to these patterns and what should we be doing to find out what's really going on here? And with us to discuss this is someone who knows this topic, Tracy Walder. She worked as staff operations officer at the CIA's Counterterrorism Center for Weapons of Mass Destruction. She was a special agent at the FBI's Los Angeles field office. She's a sought-after public speaker uh, through the World Affairs Council, and she is the author of a book we're going to maybe talk about a little bit, The Unexpected Spy. A welcome to the show, Tracy. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. So you've been very vocal about saying that these deaths are too much of a coincidence to be accidental, and you think that it could be the work of a serial killer. Do you believe that? In my opinion, yes. You know, I am probably the farthest thing from a conspiracy theorist. I'm known for being very pragmatic and logical. And so for me to make, you know, a statement like this um, is, is is a big deal. I, I, I think that there are just far too many similarities and coincidences. And I'm not sure that this is only limited to the um, Chicago waterways. You're You're down in Texas, right, Tracy? That's correct. Yeah. And, and you mentioned that there's similar uh, situation going on in the Austin area. Can you tell our listeners about that? That's correct. And thank you, you know, for, for bringing that up. And so over a period of time, um, there have been a lot of disappearances of men, specifically men with very similar demographics to what we have seen in the Chicago waterways um, that have been turning up dead there after evenings at a bar, um, really exiting the sim- similar streets and going into Ladybird Lake. And there's really been a concentration recently, about five or six individuals uh, within the past about two to three months um, have sort of watch, watched up matching that similar demographic in Chicago. When you talk about demographic, what are the bullet points of how these men are similar? Sure. Um, they're all white. Uh, I would say their age range is about 22 to 35. All of them seem to be really well-educated, quite frankly. Um, and they're all engaging in very similar behavior at the last time that they were seen, which is, you know, at a bar. And so those things, in my opinion, are, are very similar. And it's unusual that they're so similar, really, across multiple states. And serial killers, as we have followed, you know, all the the Gacy and the Bundys of the world and the Dahmers, um, there's a sexual nature to what they do. There are sexual predators who kill their victims, uh, either for gratification or to basically get rid of the victim, uh, get rid of the evidence. Are we seeing anything here that you think is sexual in nature with these young men? 
In my, it's my understanding, just at looking at the information that's a, you know, publicly available, that there is no sign of, you know, sexual assault physically. However, we don't know, you know, a lot of times in cases of serial killers, the killing itself can be a sexual release for the serial killer. And so that may be what's going on here. I'm not certain, um, but I have not seen any signs of, of sexual assault in many of the autopsy reports. And, you know, we're all speculating here on what is really going on, because this sort of defies some of the things that we have seen in the past. And as again, you know, when you look at the, the Gacy's and the Bundy's and, and, you know, not not always, but sometimes they choose victims that are going to go under the radar. Sometimes they're prostitutes, sometimes they're runaways, um, which obviously makes it harder to solve the crime because maybe they're in a risky, the victim is in some sort of risky situation and people think that they've just left town or something. But here we have white non-minority males who have families and loved ones <clears throat> and what what would you make about this i mean what i mean even just speculating i know you don't like to speculate because you're pragmatic <laughs> but you know because people ask me about this well karen what could possibly be going what would be the motive to do this to, to these men i mean c- can you speculate you know, I think there's it can be twofold, right? I think one, it can be something that a serial killer is looking at, like, I'm going to take the individuals that society or people, uh, loved ones will miss, right? Not these marginalized populations, which is, is extremely unfortunate that that's what ends up happening. But part of it is because it becomes this game almost to the serial killers in that they are trying to take the hardest and most difficult route. And so part of it, I'm wondering if it's a game um, to a person. But another thing could be, it could be a serial killer that has some kind of a deep-seated issue against this particular group and is acting it out that way. And so that's why I think the motive could be two different things. I think one could be a, a revenge style issue, and another one could be kind of a thrill of the challenge, if you will. Um, And so that's what I really think. We're talking to Tracy Walder uh, about the missing boys who have um, uh, turned up in waterways in the last year and a half to two years. And we'll come back. I'm going to continue this conversation on WGN. We're here with Tracy Walder. Tracy uh, worked for the CIA and the FBI. She is the author of a book, The Unexpected Spy. And she's also a uh, commentator on News Nation, uh, our sister station. Tracy, thank you again for holding. Um, I have some texters who are saying, and this is, I guess, want to go into this. So we're talking about these boys who are missing in Chicago and that we see this happening in Austin. And I noted that it happened in La Crosse, Wisconsin. I don't know if you were familiar with that, but there's Mm -hmm. a college there and boys were going missing after going to a bar and they were falling in and drowning in the in the I don't know if it was a Mississippi River or a lake or, or both and that was a while ago so like what is how would how would these things be tied certainly it, it doesn't seem like it could possibly be the work of just one person is is there a possibility that this is a copycat situation you know, I think it's really interesting, and that's a great question. I do think it could be a copycat, but I also think an even more unusual, obviously, is we know that serial killers typically operate alone. It could be some kind of a network. And I know, again, I'm really speculating here, but I'm also seeing a trend. I've been looking at the patterns um, in Minnesota as well. Um, and then Boston, uh, about a decade ago, um, kind of near the Charles River, they had uh, really a group um, that was found there as well. And so I am wondering if either this is someone who is taking, you know, a pause in between these things 
or if you have sort of a network. In the cases of Chicago and Lady Bird Lake, it could potentially be the same person um, in that Chicago actually experienced a bit of a lull in terms of finding bodies. Um, and during that lull is when the bodies were found in Austin. So that's the only thing that gives me pause that that could be the same person. But in terms of like of lacrosse that you had mentioned, Minnesota and Boston, we could be looking at a network, which is something we really haven't seen before. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I feel like it's some sort of initiation or some kind of uh, something very different from what we're norm, what we usually see when I say usually see we in serial killers are far and few between. But when we see them as bizarre as they are, they, they're kind of bizarre in the same way, if you will. Of course. Um, Yeah, I want to talk about the issue of drowning. Um, And I had a guest on Kevin Gannon, who wrote a book about doing investigations of people who are found in waterways. What what do we make of that? Like what what is it that the MEs should be looking at when they're doing their autopsies? And what are they finding? Or what do you know about what they're finding? So in the information that's available to me, obviously, again, I'm not you know privy to all of the information. The biggest thing that I've actually keyed on is the fact that I'd want to understand when the person disappeared versus when the Emmy felt the person ended up in the water. Because what that tells me is, was there a period of time in between then when the person was being held? Um, because we do have a case of some of them disappearing, you know, a week, 10 days prior to them being found, and the ME then stating that they had only been in the water for 48 hours. So that tells me that a body was clearly moved and that their cause of death may not have ultimately been drowning. But if you think about it from a forensic perspective, placing a body in water is, is and this sounds an awful way to say it, but it is a great thing um, because it's really difficult for law enforcement um, to deal with water in terms of gathering forensic evidence. You know, uh, my texters, you are a conspiracy theorist. Thank you. I am not actually. And Tracy, I know you're not either. And I'm, I'm usually the one staying, sitting there saying, nah, this, that's just, this happens. You know, again, let's talk about drowning because my theory, and I looked this up, uh, American Red Cross reports that over 80% of people know how to swim. Okay, so in the group that we're talking about, these are kids who probably the young men who grew up as kids, probably with a community swimming pool, probably a high school swimming pool. They probably learned to swim. Right. You would think maybe this would be a higher percentage uh, that knew how to swim. If you're drunk in as drunk as you could be, you fall in the river, you somehow make it to the river a mile away from where you were drinking. You fall in the river. Wouldn't that wake you up enough to just get to the surface and grab the edge of the uh, you know the edge of the water there i mean that to me doesn't make sense i think it depends right i think you raise an excellent point in that these are people who i would assume most likely were brought up um you know having the ability to take swimming lessons and those kinds of things but i do think it depends right it depends on how intoxicated they were But also, I guess to add another layer to that, in the case of Austin and Chicago, these bars were a bit away from these waterways. It's not that they were just drinking and fell in. So they would have had time to, I guess, walk it off, if you will, um, before they ended up in the water. And so that's the piece that's that's unusual to me. And I I would imagine um, if they fell into the water, we would have seen something indicating that they tried to get out. Do you know anything about the, you know, and we talked about this on my show a while ago, the smiley face killer. Mm-hmm. And this, that term has been used um, because over the years, uh, when these things have happened, the investigators have found in a lot of the cases a smiley face 
near either where they were they were last seen or or where they were put into the water. And again, uh, other people say, well, the smiley face is the most popular type of graffiti and you see it all over. So it would make sense that you'd see one near there. Do, Do you have any speculation about that that part of it? I'm sure this is going to frustrate people, but I personally um, am not, um, I I don't want to say I'm not a believer in the smiley face killer, but that was more isolated to New York City, um, where those police detectives had had come out and said um, that there was a smiley face close to where a lot of these drownings happened. We haven't necessarily seen that in the case of, you know, Austin and Chicago and La Crosse. And so that's why I'm not certain um, that this is sort of the work, I guess, of, of the smiley face killer, if there was even a smiley face killer. Yeah, I think I'm on board with you on that one. I I, <laughs> I, I, I agree with you that that could just be some sort of uh, coincidence. Um, so we haven't seen any announcements by police. And, you know, uh, Noah Enos's father, um, I was trying to connect him with people to, to talk to about this in the police department. And it just seemed very, it was very frustrating because, no one it doesn't seem like anyone's putting these things together could tracy and i know you don't know the chicago police department because you don't live in chicago but i mean could it be that they have put this together but they're not talking about it and if they're not talking about it isn't that wrong because someone should be warning these men i i agree with you look it could be that they have put these pieces together right chicago pd is a very large police department as is some of these other ones and so I do think that they may have put the pieces of the puzzle together, although I can't say for certain. And, you know, they want to ensure that they can build a case and actually capture the person or persons who are in charge of this. But at the same time, they do have to ensure public safety, right? That's their number one job. And so I think it really would be who of them to at least issue some kind of public warnings um, and also increase security and patrols. Austin has done some of that. Um, I can't speak to what, you know, Chicago has done, but that might be something that needs to occur as well, because they do need to ensure the safety of the public. We were talking on the Lisa Dent show about cameras. and I think you were on her show as well. You know, cameras everywhere. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you can't scratch your nose and, and not know that someone is watching you do that. So how do you think a person could avoid detection knowing that there are cameras everywhere, especially especially when you're dumping a body in the Chicago River or the lake? Look, there are cameras everywhere. You're absolutely right. But there's also blind spots for some of those cameras. And depending on who owns those cameras, some of those cameras are functional. Some of those cameras are not functional. Some of those cameras do not keep uh, the data that's on there. They dump it every 20 to 20, excuse me, 24 to uh, 48 hours. And so, you know, I think it is possible um, to not be caught uh, around with cameras. I also think it could be an individual who's familiar enough with the area to know where some of these cameras' blind spots are. So I think those are a couple of things to consider in the camera issue. And, you know, I mean, again, since since I've already been called a conspiracy theorist, I might as well just go with that, right? <laughs> but, I, you know, I was just trying to think, like, what if you're hiding in plain sight, you know, Chicago's a, a very populated city, and in the summertime, it's just, there, there are people everywhere all the time. You know, the lakes and the river, like, people are always walking around, there are hotels everywhere, tourists everywhere. So what what kind of vehicle, and I assume that there's a vehicle here, and, and there's some speculation that it's some Uber driver who says, I'm going to give you a free ride or something and they get in and and whatever happens but what what vehicle would would 
just avoid any kind of suspicion. Would it be a police car? Could it be a city worker car? Could it be a commercial vehicle? So that people would say, oh, that, that car, that vehicle, that van is next to the water. And therefore, I'm not, you know, I don't, that's, there's nothing unusual about that. It's, do you, Gosh, does that? I think in, it, go ahead. I get what you're saying, but I feel like in a place like Chicago, right, which is such a metropolitan center, I'm not sure that any vehicle is out of place there. Right. You know, I think that if we look at some of probably the other parts um, of, of Illinois that are less populated, then, yeah, certain vehicles are going to stand out. But I don't think anyone would give two thoughts to seeing a van, to seeing an Uber driver, to seeing any one of those kinds of vehicles, even any kinds of work vehicles. I just don't know that there's one that would stand out really in the middle of metropolitan Chicago that's always hustling and bustling if something's going on. You know, that's really a good point. And it's interesting because sometimes you feel anonymous in a big city, and that sounds like Mm -hmm. a contradiction in terms, but it really isn't because there's so many people that you can just kind of pass by, you know, without notice kind of thing. Um, I have one minute, but I want to mention your book, The Unexpected Spy. Can you give us a super quick synopsis, and then we'll get you back on to talk specifically about it. (laughs) Sure, thank you. My book is about my journey um, from a college student to uh, working September 11th as CIA and then to working the FBI um, and then my career um, as a teacher educating young women to pursue, pursue careers in law enforcement and national security. It sounds like a good book, and I'm going to actually read it, and then I'm going to get you on, and we'll talk all about it. Tracy Walder, thank you so much for taking time on a Sunday to talk to us, and uh, we'll, we'll continue to be in touch. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. I appreciate it. All right. You take care. We'll be back in a minute. We're going to be.